Today's episode of Dungeon Crawlers Radio is brought to you by Gamers Inn, your one-stop location for all your gaming needs. Located in Lehigh City, Utah, their fun and friendly staff will be more than happy to answer any of your gaming needs. Just remember, Gamers Inn, it's where adventures begin. Broadcasting live from the DCR studio. Oh, yeah! The Geek Revolution starts here. Excellent! Get ready for the number one hit geek radio show out there. Well, it is impressive, isn't it? Because it's time for Dungeon Crawlers Radio. And welcome back to another exciting episode of Dungeon Crawlers Radio. That's right, we're back. It's been a crazy week. We've been at Salt Lake Comic Con. There's been lots of amazing stuff that's been going on. So please, please check our Facebook page and our Twitter page, as well as like us and follow us on both of those, so that you can see all the amazing content that's come out from Comic Con. Cosplay photos, videos, and all sorts of crazy stuff. So remember, like us and follow us on both Facebook and Twitter. And with that said, we're going to jump into a couple of really fun interviews that we collected here at Comic-Con. Hey everyone, we're at Salt Lake Comic-Con once again with author Brian McClellan. Okay, I want to say that right because you never know with that Mick in there. So uh, he is the author of the Powder Mage series. Which is amazing. If you haven't read it, uh, we're going to tell you why, because you need to. So uh, kind of give them a premise uh, of the series. So the Battery Mage trilogy kind of came from my desire to write epic fantasy, but write something new and interesting in the genre. Uh, and epic fantasy has always been my favorite kind of genre. And I want something different. And Les Mis and Count of Monte Cristo are my favorite novels. Oh, yeah. uh, and so kind of smashing those two together ended up feeling very natural to me uh, and it seemed like not many people had really played with that before um, so uh, so that's kind of what I ended up doing with that okay so with the novellas we got that you also have the main books on audiobook with audible where you know which is really convenient they're really well done which is really cool uh, I mean that's got to be kind of exciting to be able to have it in ebook hardback and on on audible as well yeah, you know, it's it was definitely one of those things I looked at and I was like, well, I, I want this, and it was something I wanted in the contract when we were signing with Orbit. They uh, Because you see sometimes publishers will not pick up the audio. They'll pick up ebook and and usually paperback rights, or, well, ebook and physical rights. And, uh, and they may leave audio on the table, or they may take audio and then not do it, or they'll take audio and they'll put it out six months after, uh, and it all changes up. Uh, so I was lucky enough that my publisher was on top of the everything and got all three out at once uh, so that, you know, that it, it did well. You know, Christian Rodska did an amazing job on the reading. Very pleased with that. And, uh, and he did all three books, so it wasn't changing up readers and things like that. Uh, so, yeah, I was very happy with him. Right. So now for those of you that don't know, magically the space-time continuum bended, folded, and warped away. We had this really cool conversation about the novellas, which is gone now forever into the Esper. 
So we're going to talk about that now because it was a really cool concept that you had because, you know, you have this following now with the books and then you kind of, you have these novellas that you've written, which, I mean, there's five of them here at the table, which look pretty awesome. And they focus on other characters and other storylines that weren't in the book, right? Yeah, yeah, that's the case. So kind of what I did, this was a couple of years ago, and this is kind of sounds like a funny concept, but I, I was you know, just reading about kind of business practices for self-publishing, and I read about that, that erotica writers had gotten really into writing little kind of short things and posting them for a dollar or three dollars or something like that, and that that had become just, and they create kind of serially uh, just tons and tons of content. And I was wondering if I could do something similar with my own fan base. Um, and so I, I kind of took that idea and rolled with it and, uh, and put out a couple of short stories uh, that, I could, uh, that I could kind of test the waters with. And people loved them. Uh, it, just, it was just 99 cents, and, uh, and they sold really well. And so I continued doing that, and then I kind of moved to novellas because that works better for me as an epic fantasy writer. Uh, and I just kept putting out little side stories that don't necessarily have anything to do with the main trilogy, but involve those characters. Uh, and they're kind of all prequels. Uh, and so, you know, people can get a glimpse into the background of the characters that they love in the Powder Mage trilogy. Nice. I mean, that's a brilliant idea because you keep your fan base involved. They're hooked. Um, and so while they're waiting for the next book or something like that, they're still on the hook. And yeah. they're still interested. Yeah, no, it's. I, I think it's super important... Uh, for a writer that's not a giant author, you know, for somebody who, you know, sells well, but not, you know, mega bestseller, uh, to remind readers that I exist. Uh, you know, because if, if you're George R. R. Martin and you go six years between the books, nobody cares because everybody's going to remember once the next book comes out. If you're Brian McClellan and you go six years between books, which I don't, I go about a year between books. Um, even a year, though, people can have moved on to other things. Oh, yeah. And they'll be, you know, reading the next series, you know, onto something completely different. So having a novella or short story or something that's in the world come out every six to eight months or so, but spaced between the novels uh, is really important because it just—it's like a little ping that says, "Hey, I still exist. Here's this world that you love. Jump back into it for a few hours, and remember that you'll get more of it next year." I like that. It's kind of a really cool marketing strategy. So we have the three books out. What more are you working on then? So I'm under contract for three more Powder Mage novels. Uh, it's a sequel trilogy set 10 years after the end of Autumn Republic and uh, taking place across the ocean of Petrosta. Uh, so it's all new viewpoint characters, but you're going to meet a lot of old friends, and the world is very familiar. Nice. So you still kind of have that, that old feeling, but something new. Unlike the Star Wars trilogy, prequels that we got yeah yeah it's it's very you're gonna recognize it easily uh it's you know the the setting is gonna be very much like like if you went from 1800s france to 1800s america that's the difference it's gonna feel more colonial more uh kind of the spirit of man sort of thing that you get in early america uh but also you know new threats and new interesting intrigue and things like that cool all right so where can our listeners find you? So uh, they can find me pretty much in, in most bookstores. Uh, if you're looking at Barnes & Noble or whatnot, uh, you can find my main trilogy on the bookshelves. Um, 
If you are looking for signed copies of my books, they can get them from my website at brianmcclellan.com. Uh, and if they're looking for the novellas, which are on ebook for $2.99, uh, or you can get the limited hardcovers I do on my website. Uh, but the ebooks you can find on your favorite ebook reader. That's really easy. Uh, and uh, yeah, so it's it's pretty easy if you you know if you got an ebook reader or whatever, you're gonna be able to find my books easy. All right, so if you like Count of Monte Cristo, dark, you know epic fantasy, anything like that, go out pick up this series because you're gonna love it. Especially if you like you know the colonial French era, this is right down your alley. So all right, with that said, we're out of here. We'll catch you next time. We're here at Salt Lake Comic Con 2016 with author Paul Janess and artist Caitlin Zupanik talking about the Iron Dragon series and Caitlin's amazing art that has now re-inspired Paul to finish this amazing series. And we'll also talk a little bit about Kill It With Fire. We'll talk about that later, but it'll be awesome to do. So so kind of the story you just told me about her kind of reinvigorating yeah. it. Dan, it's always a pleasure to be on your show. Thank you so much for having me again. Yeah, so there I am, trying to write the damn book. And uh, House Jeunesse, we have we have our own words now, very okay. Game of Thrones. And our words are, the book is coming. Okay, and book four is on its way, as is book five. And I've been reinvigorated with the writing process because of Caitlin's amazing art. She's like, ooh, I want, you to, I want to draw dragons and griffins. So suddenly she draws a griffin for book four, and he becomes this major character in the book. Caitlin, why don't you, uh, why don't you tell the, the listeners about that? So I really wanted to create a griffin that was more draconic than you usually see. I wanted to give it fangs and horns and claws and a huge tail, something that if you saw it, you'd be terrified. So having something that he can write about in the book and actually have viewers be scared about. There's not very many griffins that you see. You're kind of like, oh, yeah, well, that's a griffin. It's scary, but it's not that scary. So I wanted to make something very scary. And she succeeded. So we're talking about doing this griffin. And I'm like, yeah, just go dragon, right? Totally dragon. So suddenly we've got this really eagle-headed griffin with these dragon horns on its head and this draconic-looking eye and, like, the claws. Usually the front claws are, like, raptor claws, but these are dragon claws on this griffin. And the tail has this, like, very draconic with the spear kind of tip on the tail. It's just freaking cool. So suddenly I'm writing this chapter with Malarzuk, the Lord of the Griffins, and he becomes the, the major chapter, or sorry, major character in the new book, and I can't stop writing about him now. And he's going to have his own novella, and then Caitlin will use the image that she did as the cover, which she's done in pen and ink, but she's going to do an oil painting. Why don't you tell us a little bit more about that? So I'm working on the oil painting right now. It's going to be a small little 8x10 piece. I'm still trying to figure out the color scheme. That's something we kind of got to talk about, what color we want him to be, and if we want him to be a regular griffin or if he's going to be a little bit more special. And you're talking about, like, the mane, you know, like a dark mane and, you know, kind of the eagle. What's that What's that eagle that we were thinking about? Uh, Is it the golden eagle? Was there's it? a golden eagle, then the harpy eagle. The, oh, it's the harpy eagle yeah. she was okay. talking about. Yeah. And then she's like, she keeps sending me, oh, do you know about, like, this vulture griffin? Like, what? There's, the, like... The bearded vulture. I believe it's the bearded yeah. vulture. They have, like, these really bright, vibrant, like, blood-red feathers almost. It's got, like, red fuzzy feathers on its head. It's like a bloody crown. So suddenly now I have vulture griffins in the book, and and the, the main character calls one of them bloody crown. So, like, suddenly Caitlin's just, like, taken over with her beasties. 
you know, and I see stuff in her sketchbook, this crazy monster, and I'm like, I need that in my series. So suddenly, like, these crazy moarks are, like, in the books, kind of like giraffe crossed with a dragon. So it's nuts, man. It's been fun. I take full responsibility of that, just making it all the more better. So, I mean, I have to say, just looking at this image, this would make Gryffindor look, I, I would actually take them serious now. I mean, griffins are kind of cool, but this is amazing with the, the dragon, you know, legs, extremities, and the tail, and the horns. It actually makes a griffin look fearsome. Yeah, the, in the Iron Dragon series, the griffins are, are kind of the dominant species. I mean, there's only a few dragons left, so they're not on top anymore. It's the griffins that kind of rule the place. So that's that's been really fun, and coming up with, like, their leader, because he's never shown up before. So it's like, he's the guy, and someday he may be king. Yeah, who knows? It's been, it's been fun. And then Caitlin's doing all this crazy stuff. She's got this new thing, Kill It With Fire, which which is her tagline. And there's this awesome, scary dragon on it. And, yeah, tell them about that. So you always see everybody saying, kill it with fire when you see a spider. But it's a dragon. It kills everything with fire. So you might as well add it, too. There you go. Pretty simple. Yeah, it's totally simple. So, I mean, you know, there's... There's so many cool things with dragons, and I think Caitlin's big strength is her beasties. You know, it's like dragons, griffins, like Chinese dragons. She does she does a lot of, I would say, a lot of Eastern influences. You know, the whole Chinese dragon stuff, which is really cool. So it's just fun to see her get excited about art, and then she gets me excited about writing, and we just kind of feed off each other. So it's been great. It's always been a dream of mine to illustrate something from a fantasy novel. So being able to work with Paul, it's really an honor. I really enjoy working with the author and creating creatures together on the fly. I, I love it. It's amazing. I can just send him over sketches and he'll be like, yeah, I like that. Or, no, nah, let's go a little bit more this direction. I did about five sketches of the Griffin before I actually got to the final. She's a perfectionist. She keeps honing her craft and trying things, and it's it's just really fun. So, we like to art together. So, that's good. Yeah, thank, thanks so much for interviewing. Yeah, no problem. So, real quickly, because we are out of time, where can the listeners find you? So, we'll start with Paul and then jump over to Caitlin. Yeah, check out uh, pauljeunesse.com, P-A-U-L-G-E-N-E-S-S-E. Dot com And there's a link uh, to Caitlin Zupanik's website there. So you can check out more of her art and check out like the live action film that was uh, you know, started. And it's pretty cool. It's on the website and some other stuff. So there's a lot of interesting things there. Maps of the world and pictures of, of the monsters and hope to see you there. You can find my work at CaitlinDupanik.com. K-A-I-T-L-U-N-D-Z-U-P-A-N-I-C. And also at the artwork of Caitlin Zupanik uh, on Facebook. Okay. Well, with that said, uh, check out the Iron Dragon series. Check out Caitlin's artwork because you're going to be amazed. And we'll catch you next time. Hey, everyone. We're here at Salt Lake Comic Con 2016. It's super quiet. It is the calm before the storm. There's no one in here. And I'm sitting here with Allison Peterson, the author of The Cursed Dagger. And Ian Quicksilver, The Warrior's Return, which are your latest novels or the newest novels? Uh, the Cursed Dagger is the newest novel. Okay. And Ian Quicksilver, The Warrior's Return is book one okay. of the series. So, well, I don't... so, so, so just kind of tell us a little bit about... I know, it's early. So, 
just tell us a little bit about the book and you know the character and where we're going on this journey. Oh my gosh. Okay, this is going to be a Without divulging too much. Oh, right. Yeah, because I can't give away the ending. So in Quicksilver, he is the last warrior prince of Bank Harry's, um They're the warriors of the galaxy. So if you need a war one, those are the guys you call. And uh, he's exiled to Earth, and he's got to get off planet or his entire race is going to be dis- destroyed. And so he's got to find the princess, break a curse, you know, defeat the evil magician. There's dragons, there's swords, there's cool stuff, but it's all on Earth. Like in this tiny podunk town in Puckerbush, Nevada. You know, and it's just, it's a fun ride. So the world must be saved in some podunk town in Nevada. <laughs> Pretty much, population 28. <laughs> nice, so... Everything happens in a podunk town in Nevada. We have a wizard, we have a princess, and... A cranky, exiled warrior who's a gym teacher. He's, I mean, he's horrible. <laughs> really, your nightmare gym teacher, really. I mean, we got all sorts of fun stuff. So it's kind of a little like Percy Jackson in a way, the way it starts, where everything's kind of normal, but then you find, you know, there's a warrior and everything else. Oh, yeah, all help like sleuths. I mean, it's just... He finds out who he is and what he has to do, and it's like, wow, seriously? I mean, come on, my life sucked before, but it's going to suck now. <laughs> so how old is the, uh, the main character? Uh, Ian is almost 16. Okay. Um, everything explodes in his face when he turns 16, and when he turns 16, it's a very important date. So uh, book one is the, the three months in advance before his birthday, and book two is the two weeks before he turns 16, because, like I said, all help looks loose. So it's, um, you know, 16 is that auspicious age right <laughs> so yeah 15 16 so most people are worried about am i going to pass my driver's exam and get my driver's license and he's just dealing with all sorts of crap and when he turns 16 instead of getting the license the end of the world strikes or something like oh, that pretty much i mean it's like either it's do or die because your life's over literally at 16 if you don't you know succeed <laughs> i'm so glad i'm not a teenager anymore that would suck so, all right, so Ian Quicksilver is the main character. Now, what is the villain like? Without giving too much away, because you probably want to keep that kind of secret, oh, but, no, I mean... my villain is fabulous. I love him. I, I, um, I watched, rewatched, and rewatched at least five million times The Wrath of Khan, because I love Benedict Cumberbatch. <laughs> okay. Just his whole demeanor when he is the evil villain. Mm-hmm. It's fantastic. He just exudes this dark... Oh, like, I'm going to kill you and kill you with my eyeballs, you know? And so my evil villain is very much that way. I mean, he just oozes black magic. I mean, it just comes off of him in waves. And so, and he's fabulous. I hate him, but he's fabulous. <laughs> he just makes everything so miserable. And, of course, he, uh, he moonlights as the school superintendent at the high school, which, of course, I mean, is already, he's already bad. But now it's ten times worse because he's in a position of power. So Every high school student will want to read this book. <laughs> Everyone imagines the principal as the big bad villain, and now you've made it happen. Oh, yeah. I mean, you had to. My principal was a villain. <laughs> I mean, you still have nightmares about that guy that looks across you at the desk. and I mean, he makes you pee your pants, mm-hmm. and you didn't even do anything wrong, you know? And definitely, definitely had to put that in the book. Okay, I do want to see this as a movie. And Benedict Cumberbatch as the villain, because that's just an amazing mental image. Him sitting there on the other side of the desk, staring you down because you, you know, you threw a spitwad at the teacher or something. Oh my gosh, yeah. And well, they didn't even do anything wrong. I mean, it was just <laughs> he just was out to make their lives miserable, you know. Yeah. But yeah, oh my goodness, that's my my dream casting. 
dream casting is Benedict Cumberbatch for the evil bad guy because he would be perfect, perfect for it. So those of you that are hearing noise, they've apparently opened the floodgates. So we're going to wrap this up really quick. So where can our listeners find you and your book? Okay, well, um, I'm at Comic-Con. It's last date, Saturday. So I will be at booth 1501 with the Wordfire Press guys. Um, and after that, I have my launch party for book two is at Barnes & Noble in Sugar House. Um, you know, Salt Lake City. And what date is that on? The 17th. That's Saturday the 17th of September um, from 1 to 3 p.m. And I'll be there signing books. Uh, um, after the 13th of September, it's open to the public. I mean, it's Barnes & Noble, Amazon, Books and Things, um, Books a Million. I mean, you can get them anywhere. Nice. Is it going to be on audiobook? Not yet. Not yet, but on the way. Not yet, yeah. I mean, we did have Kindle edit version. So maybe you should talk to them and see if they can get Benedict to read that. That would be awesome. Well, that would be so amazing. <laughs> I would die and go to heaven, but i got to finish writing the series first. Yeah, okay. So if you love stories like this, kind of like Percy Jackson, or you just hated high school and you want a really cool story, check this out. It is from Allison Peterson. It is Ian Quicksilver, The Warrior's Return, and The Cursed Dagger. So and check out the book signing on September 17th. So, with that said, we're out of here. All right, everyone. Hey, we're at Salt Lake Comic Con 2016. Still crazy. You can probably hear all the background noise. We're here with author Adrian Monson, talking about her book, uh, Dissension, Defiance, Deliverance, and Eyes of Persuasion. I know that's a lot, but we'll get through all of it. So, um, kind of give us a background on, on the books. Well, uh, the first three are a vampire trilogy called The Blood Inheritance. And then the last one is a standalone Eyes of Persuasion that's a historical paranormal romance. Nice. So are you, are you a fan of vampires and that's why you went with the vampires or is it just because that's kind of what's popular right now? Oh, I've been a fan since sixth grade. I've, okay. I'm the fangirl that did it even though it's kind of um, been overdone anyways. Okay, so what is your, your unique twist to the vampire mythos? in your book where you know we've almost seen everything done at this point right yeah um this one's a little different they're uh they were created in africa okay. uh, several thousand years ago through like a voodoo mistake so it's a little different and the vampires are not nice vampires unlike more of the more popular stuff that's coming out these days okay so big question when the sun comes out what happens <laughs> the sun comes out they fry with the exception of one character, and there's a very good reason for it that you find out in book three. Okay. Uh, perfect. Sparkly vampires. I No, yeah. So, okay. So, and, and is this a YA, an adult book? Where does it kind of stand? I call it new adult just because it's more for the college age type of okay. kids. However, saying that, I've had, you know, adults, 14-year-olds, read it, love it. So, take it for what you will. Okay, nice. So, Eyes of Persuasion, Paranormal Romance, so what's the twist on that? On the Eyes of Persuasion? Yeah. That is, the twist is it's a Regency romance, so it's set in England. Okay. But it's the genre mashup, she's got the psychic powers, she's being forced into a marriage, but uh, she ends up using her psychic powers, dressing as a man, and solving a mystery, and, you know, doing other things on the fly. I'm intrigued. Yeah, mystery... Romance, okay. I mean, that's not my thing, but there's plenty of people that like that. But the mystery thing, I like. So, um, so where can everyone find your books? 
Amazon's the easiest place. You can also find them at Barnes and Noble and Kobo and um, iBooks, all those other places too. Nice. So they're on ebook as yes, well. Yes, they are on ebook. What about audiobook? They are not on audio at this time. That would be awesome though to hear that. Um, so okay, real quick random question: If your your main trilogy was made into a movie, who would you want to play the main character and who would you want to play the villain? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I think I'd like, oh, what's her name? Amber Hearn. Okay. For Alicia. The villain. I I'd like to see uh, Dwayne Johnson, The Rock, as the villain. Wow, that could be interesting. Uh, he's got the the acting chops, but that would be interesting to see him be the villain. He's got the look. He could pull it off. The Egyptian look. He could make that happen. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we've seen it with uh, in the Mummy and uh, the Scorpion King. Yeah. Okay, so they can find it anywhere. So look for Deliverance, Dissension, and Defiance. That's the three books in reverse order. And then Eyes of Persuasion, uh, Amazon, and pretty much everywhere else Adrian just mentioned. So uh, thanks. Hey, I hope you enjoyed these interviews. With that said, we're out of here. Check for our new shows, as always, on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And remember to like us and follow us on Facebook and Twitter, because that way we can bring amazing, awesome content to you. Until then, we'll catch you next time.